Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Sell Better Daily Show. We do a free sales show every day. If you are new here, come join us. You can scan the QR code or visit sellbetter.xyz. We do all things sales. And if you are a regular, welcome back. Let us know in the chat where you're tuning in from. Make sure you switch, though. There's a little blue bubble in the chat. Make sure you switch it to everyone so everyone can see where you are tuning in from. Again, we do this every day. You can check us out, sellbetter.xyz or scanning the QR code. Huge shout out before we jump in to our partner, Apollo. They had a big day today, you guys, but we have something cool with them. It'll be in the chat over here for you. You can get access to Apollo for free by using our our link, and they are sponsoring today's show, which is all about how do we change and refine and edit our cadences to boost our open rates so that we can best serve who's in the room. If you don't mind answering our poll while I introduce you to today's fabulous guests, I have two of the best. They are doing it day in and day out. Charlotte at SalesLoft and Jed over at Mailshake here joining me today. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. I think I need to update my uh, LinkedIn profile. I think it looks anything like me anymore. <laughs> oh, I think it does. Is it? But yeah. Oh. It's like we need a we need like a a photo shoot. We should just plan that in. I don't know. What do you think? Every six months? Once a year at least. Yeah. Okay. Once a year. Fair. You can see me deteriorating over time. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. I'm excited to jump in. Just a peek at what we're covering. We're going to talk about what does and does not work in cadences and sequences right now. We're going to talk about some changes, some things that you guys have seen that help improve open rates and cadences in general, and kind of why. And then last, I would love for you guys to both walk us through the outline of what you typically do, like a generic cold email sequence. I just want to take a peek while we're here to see who's in the room. We got Mostly SDR and BDR function, welcome in, a ton of AEs, managers, leadership, and some other. Um, make sure you tell us in the chat. We love to see who is attending. But I want to kick off the whole call by starting with something positive and bright. Can you both share with us what's working right now that may be something new or um, something that you're seeing in terms of data that's working to help people open more of your cold emails? Charlotte, you want to kick us off? Yeah, so mine's nothing like crazy out of the box. I don't think anything I ever do is kind of like, wow, that's the most crazy thing I've ever seen. Um, just something I'm doing that I'm seeing a huge amount of success. And I mean a huge amount of success, especially on email, which is a pretty tough channel right now. It's just taking that personalization, that research to the next level. So instead of just generic, I can see you're hiring, I can see you've got funding, which I kind of define as the first layer of research, kind of taking it to that next stage and being like, I can see you, you're hiring and I know that you're targeting this persona in this industry and this is what I know about this industry right now. So adding in that extra layer of research and finding that's getting me like a, a big increase in reply rates. 
Do you keep it? So like you'll have messaging built around hiring, but then you'll have some areas where you can go add in some That's extra nice. flavor and personalization. Yeah. So uh, do, you, do you know what? Like, It's still good to have templates around. I can see you're hiring a certain role and this is what it means. But uh, when I'm talking about the cadences in today's show, it's more around my tier ones and my really like hot prospects I'm going after. For my tier twos and tier threes, yeah, you need to be having ones that are easier to scale and it does work. But for tier ones, I need that like really honed in personalization. But yeah, you can use those templates and then add stuff to it as well. Awesome. Jed, give us one of yours. What's something that's working right now? Yeah, I want to reiterate on what Charlotte said first, then I'll share something because I like that she said that. I think everybody to some extent is doing the plays of, I see you have funding, I see you're hiring, I see you just got promoted or changed jobs or whatnot. But what she's talking about is like truly understanding what their situation is at the moment, right? So if you just change jobs, you just got promoted. Let's say they got promoted into a role they haven't been in before. They were a manager and now they're a director. Take that a level deeper by understanding what it means to be a director and how that can tie into the problem you have. Or um, I really like what she mentioned about who they're targeting, especially if you sell sales tech software. Um, an example here at Mailshake, one thing that we help with is email deliverability. And so I'll reach out to folks that reach out to government organizations, for example, or healthcare. They have really tough inboxes to get into because they have strict firewalls. And so I can use that to my advantage for what my product solves with. But in terms of what's working most for me, and Charlie kind of touched on it as well, um, email is really tough right now, given all the AI tools that allow you to do super high volume email without a lot of effort. Um, I We have like me and my SDR team, we've slowed down quite a bit and we've gotten really focused. It, it kind of starts with who you're targeting, right? So I, I think about it in three levels when it comes to open rates, who you're targeting, the data quality, and then things like the open rates and the uh, the initial opening line. And so once a month, we are going through and looking at all the demos we booked, trying to find patterns in terms of who, um, what, what sort of patterns can we find? What sort of titles are they? What industries are they in? What sort of technographic data can we find? And we're always kind of rehoning our ICP to make sure we're putting the absolute best leads into our campaigns. And then we're focusing really a lot on deliverability and list quality. So cleaning all of our lists, validating the data before it goes into a campaign. And then obviously open rates comes with, you know, subject lines, open lines, which we'll get into later in the show. But high level, those are kind of like the main three things that we're really focusing on. And uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll kind of dive in a little bit deeper, but, but yeah, those are the big ones. I'm not sure if too many people do that either in regards to like really honing into what persona or industry you've been booking meetings with. So one of my favorite things to do is to not just look at the outbound SDRs or even the AEs and who they're booking meetings with, but also the inbound leads that you're getting. It'd be yeah. pretty easy to create a rapport and just look at it every week to understand is there a trend with the persona and the challenges that are coming inbound to us? And then you have a new email template you can literally create. Yeah, that's so big. I have a story that I can share real quick about that. What Charlie just said, definitely look at your inbound leads. I remember it was like the middle of COVID and I was selling e-signature software. And every week I would look at the inbound leads and I started noticing randomly all these nonprofits coming inbound. And we had never sold to nonprofits before, but the reason why they were coming inbound is because they had just got a bunch of COVID relief funding. And every and like previously they would do signature signing in person. And now for like the first time ever, they all needed e-signature software. So I was like, shoot, I'm going to go start targeting out, uh, nonprofits outbound. And it was like shooting fish in a barrel because all of them needed it. And I wouldn't have found that if, like Charlie said, I didn't look at the inbound leads. So that's a that's a gold mine. There's, there's lots of good information there. So I think both of you have touched on kind of tearing out or prioritizing certain prospects, whether it's based on data of who's doing business with you, who's coming inbound, 
just looking at where you're selling, how much time, I know I'm going on like a little sidebar here, but how much time do each of you kind of spend on that prep before it's coming into a sequence or a cadence of yours? Yeah, so not a huge amount of time, you know, five, uh, five to eight minutes. I try not to get to 10 minutes, to be honest, try and do under 10. Or count? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then... Once I have that information, I whether you're using any sales engagement tool, Apollo, Sales Loft, whatever it is, you should be able to pin that note to the top of that account page in whatever you're using. So I will clearly mention, okay, company information, um, hiring, and then under the person level, I'll spend another minute maybe, like email, like finding out, like, do they have any articles on them, any podcasts, webinars anything on their LinkedIn profile and that maybe takes a minute or two. So maybe like six to seven minutes on the company information and then one to two minutes on the personal information. And um, I've got quicker at this. Like I've done SDRing for oh, ages now. I used to take me a lot longer. Um, so I'm getting quicker at it. And something I recommend to do when you're doing this research is to time yourself, see how long it's taking you to do that company research and that person research. If it's like 20, 30 minutes, in my opinion, it's bit too long for one account that you might never even get in contact with and so time yourself and try and get quicker at it because for what I'm doing probably took me 15 to 20 minutes before and now it takes me 10 so yeah that's huge but I do think it's (laughs) it's like based on what market you're selling into too so if you have a list of 10 accounts like obviously different story but for most of the time yeah huge great and Jed how about you are you doing are you like bulking data and kind of tearing out ahead of time too yeah i want to so everyone should get themselves one of these desk timers because what charlotte mm-hmm. said is something i always do as well it makes it super easy to time yourself i completely agree with that um yeah there's there's kind of two levels to it leslie so i'll like um a, a lot of the research is done beforehand where we're kind of like segmenting the accounts um based on like different characteristics they all share and then putting those into assigned sequences um but if you're also listening to this and you're like Hey, there's no way I can research a prospect in like five to eight minutes. It takes me like 30 minutes or whatnot. Um, the thing that kind of helped me speed that process up is knowing what I'm looking for. And after some repetition, you kind of start to realize, okay, I know I have to go to their LinkedIn company page to see like, I don't know how many people they have in this department or if they're hiring or whatever, like list out all the things you find yourself looking for and then kind of have a system. The first thing I'm going to do is look for if they're hiring. The second thing I'm going to do is look for um, you know, look at their 10K or look at whatever it is, right? Have a system, write it down, and then go through that checklist every single time. And the research gets a lot faster. But um, with that kind of checklist, it usually takes around five minutes to kind of get those notes. And I'm doing the same thing, just kind of putting them on the the prospects profile in my uh, sales engagement tool. I love the timer thing. I feel like for mm-hmm. so many of us are gamified, like how we run our brains. I time everything too, because I'm like, I think I can do better. I'm like, I'm going to race myself, you know, and there's some there's some like cool piece of that with our brains and how it works. Okay, I want to share um, the screen and make sure that we covered the points that you guys had. Let's see, talked about clean data, um, talked about tiering. Yeah, I was just oh, thinking. Oh, Charlotte, let's talk about this, like other employees and how they they help you in terms of open rates and cold emails. Yeah. So when I'm doing that research and I'm looking at the function section, and this is really relevant for me and, and Jed as well, because we're selling to salespeople and we want to understand 
And this is taking that research to the next level. I don't just want to understand that they're hiring. I want to understand the structure and the motion of their sales team. So if they have a lot of AEs, I know that they're probably full cycle sellers. Whereas if it's a lot of account managers, I know that potentially the business is more focused on upselling into their existing customers. Mm -hmm. So when I'm doing that research, I just go through and I add everyone, SDRs, AEs, marketing, whoever. I just add them all on LinkedIn and the people that accept me, I will just message them and be like, hey, thanks for connecting. You have no idea who I am. (laughs) Haha. Um, but can I ask you a random question? And a lot of the time people say yes. And then I will ask like, look, I'm prospecting this person. This is my hypothesis. Can you point me in the right direction if I'm close or am I far away? And I've booked meetings from doing this before, just getting insight, understanding their challenges, tech stack. And then it means that when I'm going to the decision maker or my prospect who I'm targeting, I'm not just guessing what tech stack they're using or guessing that this is their focus. I know it's their focus. And then if I'm calling them, I can be like, look, I've spoken to your team and I know this, this and this. And it's way more credibility than if I say, "Mm, I'm guessing this might be a focus. I've actually done the effort and I've spoken to your team and this is what they're saying. Yeah, changes the conversation. And then one more thing on dues that I want to make sure we touch on. Jed, before when we were chatting, the three of us, you spoke about how you can use understanding your buyer's customers. How do you bring that into email? Yeah, I touched on that a little bit um, earlier. And I think it's particularly for folks who sell to salespeople or marketing folks, um, like if you understand who they're selling to, it can kind of give you an idea of their challenges. And I explained that, that I'll kind of reiterate the example I shared earlier. The healthcare yeah, Sorry, exactly. I didn't put two and two together. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. So like, for example, it, you know, if we sell a software that's for email deliverability, making sure your, you know, your emails don't land in spam. And so folks who are targeting uh, hard to reach industries with strong spam filters, we can basically have a, a pretty good guess or hypothesis that they're probably struggling with open rates um, because those folks are hard to get into their inboxes. And so that's kind of just one example of that. But it also just kind of... Sh- even if you're not con- like tying the dots super well, it's showing the prospect that you've done your research and you have an understanding about them specifically, which goes a lot further than some of the basic personalization that uh, we see all the time. Agreed. Let's switch gears and talk about things that maybe worked before and don't work or things that are just like a hard pass, a no right now um, in terms of cold email. Here, I'll yeah. bring up uh, some of our ideas too. Yeah, I can. I mean, I can kick off one of them, and I'm sure Charlotte will have a lot to say about this as well. Um, but if you're an SDR and you're active on LinkedIn or you're listening to the same podcast, you got to understand that everybody else has seen those same tactics, listening to the same podcast, all that stuff. And yeah. so, like, you have to understand the difference between tactics and strategy as well. And I think tactics are great, and it's great to be on the cutting edge of learning tactics because they tend to have a good, like, three month uh, or sometimes longer time span of working really well. And so it's good to use those, but it's important to like once a month, I have a schedule of going through and updating all the messaging, just tweaking things for various reasons. And so you can't necessarily get away with the same tactics maybe worked a year or two ago. And a good example of this is like most emails now are starting with noticed this or whatever, you know, the same uh, looks. I saw on LinkedIn. Yeah. I saw on LinkedIn, that sort of stuff. And so it can still work, but you have to find different ways of wording things. And so that's probably the biggest one that comes to mind. Huge. Yeah, plus one to that one. Um, especially like if you're selling to salespeople like we are, they know all these tactics by now. 
and you need to be trying new things. I think I shared something a while ago and it's put in first name at the end of the sentence. So you start with like reading or scrolling on this um, and putting their name at the end of the sentence. So in the preview, when they're seeing it on their phone or on their email, it's not, hey, first name, I noticed that and it helps you stand out a bit. But the number of emails I see doing that now, it's probably, you can still probably get away with it. But the number of emails that I see now, which have first name at the end is crazy just because everyone picked up on it. And everyone does it now. So now we need to change it. So I'm actually A-B testing uh, cadence for our SDRs at the moment. And it has testing, hey, first name, hi, first name, and then first name at the end. Uh, just because I'm slightly convinced that everyone's doing this by now. So yeah, plus one to that, like keep changing. And that's what makes sales fun. It's boring if you're just doing the same thing day out and day in, like change stuff, try stuff. It might not work, but it's going to be a bit of fun than just doing a monotonous activity every single day. Charlotte, I see that in sales tech, but if you're selling outside of sales tech, like I haven't seen that a ton. I think it's a great point. The So the first line is showing up and instead of your preview line saying, hey, Leslie, I found this about your company, you're just flipping the right. sentence yeah. structure so the name is at the end. Something else, and I've not tested this yet, so this is uh, actually fresh off the press. Um, my friend went on holiday recently and her friend works in banking, I think. And how they start their emails is they start the email in the subject line and they continue it in the email. So they'll be like um, reading uh, your article and it talks about and then following it in the rest of the email. And this is something I'm going to be testing out. So uh, test it out now while uh, I've only just firstly shared it. But um, yeah, you just need to think of ways basically to make it easier for that person to know what you're saying in those first few characters and to know that you've done your research, you're not spamming them and you're slightly different to the other people who are emailing them. So yeah, you can add it to the end of the sentence so the preview looks different, but also trying things like playing around with the subject line and having that flow into the body as well. Do both of you feel like subject line and that first preview, that's the main impact like data point wise on your open rate, not maybe not your response rate, but your open rate. Is there anything else that you feel like has a huge impact on your open rate? I think Jed will have more insight into this, but things like having too many links, um, images in your emails, uh, things like that. Also, yeah. other things that are going to affect your deliverability, and Jed is the person to speak about this. He's going to be like, you're wrong, Charlie. Um, no. But <laughs> other things is like like maintaining that personalization. If you're, spend, if you're sending thousands of spammy emails, your deliverability naturally is going to be low. So you need to be working up your domain health by keeping it personalized, and that naturally is going to land in more people's inboxes as well. Mm. Did I, did I uh, get a 10 on that? Uh, 10 on us, 11 on us. <laughs> no, that was good. I, I completely agree because there's a lot of technical things of deliverability that if, I mean, I saw the who's in the room. Most folks here are AEs or STRs and you can't really control what happens to your domain on a technical level. So it's best probably not to cover those sort of things. But what Charlie said is exactly right. I think the most important thing to keep in mind is that are you actually getting replies and positive replies? Because if you aren't, then you can be for certain that Google and Outlook are noticing that you're sending hundreds of emails with very minimal replies and that compounds over time, which means fewer and fewer emails are going to go into the inbox. So if that's you, I would definitely recommend slowing down the number of emails, working on personalization, working on a, a messaging framework that actually gets consistent replies and then speeding up. And I know that takes patience, but like the way I would be looking at everything is 
And just like a general rule of thumb, try to shoot for at least a 50% open rate. Try to shoot for, you know, three to 5% plus for buy rate at least. Um, try to shoot for at least a 1% booking rate, right? So if I upload 100 prospects, I'm getting at least one meeting. And those are general numbers. It might be different for you depending on your industry, but slowly try to get those numbers with just 10 prospects and then go to 50 and then go to 100. And that's kind of the, the biggest way you can really start to improve your deliverability is just kind of slowly working your way up uh, rather than starting from the top with super high volume and kind of going from there. But yeah, that's probably the biggest thing. Beautiful, beautiful. I want to switch gears here just a tiny bit. And actually, let's ask everybody, um, how often is everyone here looking at the data from their cadences and sequences? If you get to do it yourself, and you get to write your own, or if it's group, like how often are you looking at the data to make adjustments? And I'm curious, like Jed, how often are you and your team peeking at data? I should probably be looking at it more often. I look at it once a month and I have to, I, like, I look at it at least once a month and I'm doing updates to everything. So like tweaking yeah. subject lines, tweaking messaging. Um, our SDR team, like I encourage them to look at it like all the time. Like every week they're testing out new ideas, always A-B testing. Um, they're prospecting a lot more than I am. So they're probably doing it once a week. Um, but for me, I have a block for, you know, a couple hours once a month. Charlotte? I keep, an, so I have a cadence for the SDRs, like a team cadence that, I keep an eye on weekly. Same with mine. I have my own cadence for my AE prospecting. And I, I'm i looking at that daily, but I'm being completely transparent. Um, but I don't make changes for it monthly or even bi-monthly because I need to, especially for my own one, I'm not doing the same level as uh, prospecting as our entire SDR team in one cadence. So they have enough right. data to kind of collect. So for me, it's probably more realistic, like every two months I'll make changes um, because it's really important that you have enough data in there before making changes. If you send it to 10 people and think, mm, I'm not getting a reply and change it, then you're never going to gather enough data. So you need to make sure you're doing it for at least a month, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. Let's see. So pretty similar. I mean, uh, a kind of similar across the board here. Um Okay, so let's talk about the things that could make like a really big impact or improve someone's sequence or cadence. I will. Let's bring up some of the ideas that we shared ahead of time. How, um, Jed, I, I would love if you could kind of talk us through this idea of borrowing trust. I think it's it's a, a big impact that you can make no matter what industry you're in. Yeah. Um, I love this idea. I, I definitely can't take credit for the idea. I think, honestly, don't remember where I see, like where I learned about it or, or whatnot, but basically the idea is, you know, at Mailshake, we're a much smaller startup. We don't have the brand recognition that a lot of companies have or a lot of our competitors do. And so, uh, and this also goes for anybody, whether you have a large brand recognition or not, but when you're sending emails, like one thing we try to include in all of our sequences is helpful resources. So I mentioned it earlier, we help with email deliverability. We're sharing guides and information on that. But if all the information and guides we're sharing in our sequences comes from our own company, it comes across as really biased. They're not going to be as interested because I'm just sharing all of Mailshake stuff, right? And so look for a big name in your space or somebody that people really trust that are talking about free ways to solve the problem that you solve. So for example, I went on HubSpot and I found really good email deliverability resources. And I would share those resources from HubSpot and say, hey, for example, here's a list of spam words you can re remove from your emails to increase your open rate. Um, that HubSpot suggests. By the way, Mailshake can help automatically remove these for you or replace them. Uh, if you're interested, let me know. And so they're learning about it from HubSpot. 
and then I'm tying it into how Mailshake can help. Um, that's the idea of borrowing trust. So share helpful resources in your sequences, but do them from third-party uh, locations that people trust, like in my example, HubSpot, for example. Um, but yeah, that one's been a, a huge thing for uh, increasing the reply rates on our bump emails and our follow-up emails later in the sequence. Um, so I definitely recommend it. I think yeah. even if you have a big name in, in the space, like I'd say Salesloft is a pretty big name in the space, but I will never share internal content yeah. unless I'm in a deal cycle with them or unless I've already spoken to them. So I always use external. I often use like um, webinars and, and podcasts and we'll get whoever to share it with their team or even as Jed mentioned, big names in the space. I don't really care if they're a competitor either. Like I've shared Gong articles, outreach articles before, like there, if they're doing good articles, like I want my prospect to find something useful for what I'm sharing. So I'll share articles competitors have done as well. I don't think it's um, hindering anything, me doing that. I think about anything, it's adding credibility because I'm showing, look, this is what I'm guessing you're struggling with and this is going to really help your team rather than here's a sales loft resource that's going to somewhere pitch what sales loft is. So you're looking for the best information for your prospects and that's gaining, it, it's also gaining credibility for you as the seller too. So they're attaching you to this idea that they're going to bring me the best no matter where it's coming from. Yeah. I know, Charlotte, something that you do um, a lot of too is on your day one when you're reaching out, the multiple channel approach. And I think people talk about it, but rarely do it. Maybe you feel like, oh, it's too much too soon. Talk to me about why it's working for you and kind of what you've seen. How many channels do you do? Walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, so recently we started calling first. Um, and this kind of comes back to the point of you need to be testing because we used to get a crazy success from video as day one in our, in our cadence, mm -hmm. which was find the fact that it took a bit longer to do because the reply rates I used to get from video were insane. But we've seen a slight dip in this as a channel. So now we're replacing it with a cool step, which takes quicker to do um, and allows you to kind of get more done. So our three steps in day one is that cool. We still do video, but we test it with video versus written and then LinkedIn as well. I'll be honest, I don't think it matters the order. I kind of do cool LinkedIn and then email because if I can get a meeting from a call or a LinkedIn, um, then I'd rather do those because they're quicker steps to do rather than me doing a personalized email or a personalized video. It takes a little bit more time, so I'd rather get that meeting or response a little bit uh, quicker. Uh, yes to Connor, video through email, I use uh, Vidyard. Um, so I do three steps on day one. And I don't just send like a call and then do an e uh, LinkedIn and then an email. I make sure within those channels, I'm referring to what I'm about to send them. So let's say I start with um, calling. I will then leave them a voicemail and being like, hey, uh, Charlie from Salesloft researching and found this really interesting. Uh, no need to call me back. I'm about to send you a personalized email and I'm going to add you on LinkedIn as well. It just means that Charlie from Salesloft, okay, I heard that in my voicemail. Oh, look, I've got a LinkedIn invite from Charlie from Salesloft. And now I'm getting an email from Charlie from Salesloft. You could even take it that next level. And in your PS of your email, be like, PS, I'm going to give you a call tomorrow. Mm. Just to keep relating to the different channels you're using and to get your name and company more recognized in all these different channels. Uh, marketers do it with advertising. I have 
so many ASOS um, things and house. I've just bought uh, a new house and I have so many house products popping up on when I'm looking at cooking recipes. I'll get a little product that I want, a side table because I'm looking for one. Instagram ads, I get them everywhere. LinkedIn, even I get adverts there as well and texts. So like I'm getting this from all these different places that I'm going to and I'm more and more tempted to buy that lovely little side table that I've been checking out. Um, so it's just making me more recognized with that company. I'm thinking about it more. So if they cold called me now, I'd be like, take my money, take it. I want that side table yeah. right now. So yeah, just using all the channels and kind of making sure you're relating them to each other. I like the way you said too, it's like you're telling them what's coming, that they know what to expect. They know you're going to call back. And that brand recognition of you're going to show back up. They they recognize your name now. When you're in their inbox, it's like, I know Charlotte's name. How They might not remember exactly how, but like, that's how. Um, really quick, if great questions in the chat. Make sure you switch it to everyone so it's not just um, popping up to me. So switch your chat to everyone. And if you have a question, if you could pop it into the Q&A tab at the bottom so that we make sure we don't miss any and we can get back to it here in just a minute. Jed, I know you take different approach for different channels. Can you share that really quick on like the importance of of different approaches across those different channels that you both are using? And then we'll jump in to see what you guys are doing. Yeah, it's very similar to Charlotte. So like, I like to think of it like a spider web, right? So you're everything's connecting in every way. And so for us, first step, we're doing a LinkedIn message. We always send a connection request with a note. It's saying like, hey, Leslie, sending over an email shortly. Subject line is XYZ. Let me know your thoughts once you get it. And then the email's going out. And then we're typically calling a couple hours later. So we're also doing, every time there's an email going out, there's some sort of multiple steps happening, whether it's a phone call or a LinkedIn message or both. The voicemails are pointing back to the email. We've also used some of those strategies with the PS where we're at like the bottom of the email. We might say, hey, PS, I also connected on LinkedIn if you prefer to chat there. And so everything's just pointing in every direction. Um, LinkedIn is, it's kind of completely dependent on if they accept that initial connection request. Um, we have not seen hardly any results with in-mail. I think it's really hard to get consistent results with in-mail. So mm-hmm. if they're not accepting that connection request, our job is pretty much done there when it comes to LinkedIn. We might try to interact with their content if they're um, like a high value prospect. But other than that, it just kind of goes back to phone and email. Um, and that's also, well, we'll talk about this once we get to the sequence. So I have more to share on that, but I'll stop there. Everything's like a spider web and it all connects. <laughs> oh, I, I disagree. I love an email. I uh, stopped using it, everyone, because I get results from it. I think this um, kind of, sorry if you heard that, that was my dog. I think it's kind of links back to the fact that each channel should be used differently. If you're sending an email from what you would write in an email, in mail, sorry, from what you would write in an email, you're not going to get a reply from it. Same with a cold call. You wouldn't kind of approach it the same as you would an email. So you need to make sure that how people are reading the different LinkedIn messages, the in mails they're receiving, the emails, a lot of these will be read on their phone. Um, how they are receiving these, make sure that the text and every and the structure that you're sending is appropriate. So for in-mails, LinkedIn in-mails, in-mail and email, that's a, a tongue twister. For LinkedIn in-mails, I keep it really, really short. I'll be like, sent you an email, um, found this interesting. Do you mind replying? Something really quick, like one or two sentences. That's it, nothing more. Because... Yeah, that in-mail is 
spammed with a lot of recruiter or kind of those bots yeah. as well that you can get on LinkedIn as well. So I try and keep it wild of text. Yeah. I gotta get back an email. Maybe yeah. it's just no, I, no. She doesn't want you to. Hey, okay. get off email. It's rubbish. <laughs> keep it <laughs> me. <laughs> okay, so let me share and. Uh, Charlotte, walk us through like the top three things here. Um, you do have in mail on your your sequence. People can see it um, right here in mail day two. But talk us through like it looks like you're doing, um, you know, steps over the course of a full month. Is this something that you've tested, played with? What does this look like for you? Yeah, I just find a month's good because let's say someone has a holiday for two weeks, then I've just completely missed them um, unless they get an out of office and then it kind of moves the step to that date when they're back. Um, but yeah, like some people might have a really crazy busy two weeks and then I'm just trying to get them on that one channel that they're good at interacting with. And I just think I need a month to do that. After this, I should mention that I give them two or three months break and then I reprospect them. So they have a little break and then I'm prospecting them again. I do not give up on someone if they're a tier one prospect. They go back <laughs> in my cadence um, and I'll give it a go again because if it's a good company, um, a good account, a good prospect, I feel like I can get a reply from them eventually. So I don't, I don't give up, but yeah, I keep it over yeah, around 24 days as shown here. And where do you see the majority of people converting, whether it's dropping out or responding favorably? Where do you see most of that happening here? A high amount at the beginning. This is yeah. why triple touching or whatever we call it. What is it? Multiple right. touches on day one. Yeah. <laughs> triple touches. That's a bit weird now, isn't it? But um, <laughs> the reason why I do it is because I'm just trying to get their attention and I'm just using as many channels as I can and I get a lot of conversions there um but towards the end as well I think the reason why a lot of people don't get conversion towards the end of their cadence is because uh the content drops and the personalization drops so they're like oh I don't need a longer cadence but you just need to make sure that you're smart with your templates and you're smart with the content later on to make sure it's still engaging because most people put the effort at the beginning and then kind of can't be bothered towards the end of it, skip steps, et cetera. Um, oh, but I'd say, yeah, the begin to be out throughout, but probably like 40% at the beginning and the rest is kind of like sprinkled throughout. Really not uncommon for me to get one at the last step of a cadence. I, my favorite one was someone saying, uh, we've been just enjoying your cadence and your personalization. They're just rinsing me basically, rinsing my time. <laughs> and then uh, we're like but yeah we'll, we'll take a call now now that we now you've got to the end we'll take the call yeah. so. you're telling them it's the last step and they're like okay okay well okay we'll fine <laughs> awesome um so if you haven't taken a screenshot and you want to you could go ahead and do that you could also we'll uh we'll send out the replay but jed yours is a slightly different approach here talk us through it's about half the time um talk us through kind of what works in your market and what what you found through through looking at data. Yeah, I want to, I empathize with what Charlotte said, because especially if you sell the salespeople, that happens a lot. If you have a good cadence, they will just let it go and try to oh, yeah. everything you're saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, mine's a bit shorter. Um, we typically run people through this cadence sequence, whatever you want to call it. And then we put them into a nurture campaign, usually a month later. And that nurture campaign runs from 60 to 90 days. It's usually two emails a month. It's just helpful resources around the problem we solve. 
And then we will retarget them more aggressively six months to nine months later. And so similar to what Charlotte's saying, if it's a good account, we're always retargeting them. We just do it a little bit differently with the nurture sequence. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yes, first uh, first step is always research. So we're you know finding those bits of research and putting that on the prospect's note. We're also doing the you know triple tap touch whatever whatever we're calling it, um, LinkedIn message with the email, call and voicemail, um, and then we have two bump emails, two threads under that first initial email with um, a good amount of calls, and then a LinkedIn message if they accept. Um, this step here on day nine, check for engagement is really important. If we are calling, so we've made three calls up until this point, right? If we're calling every single time, it goes immediately to voicemail, or we don't hear their name in the voice memo, um, or we just don't have a mobile number. And at the same time, they haven't opened or clicked any of our emails. We're typically removing them and replacing them with somebody else from the campaign because we're they're just not engaging at all. And if they haven't accepted our LinkedIn connection request either. Uh, if they have, we can continue them on with a new email focusing on a new pain point. So each thread of emails has essentially one theme based on a problem we solve for them. Um, and then the rest of it's pretty standard. And like I said, after this, um, if prospects have been opening, clicking, they accepted our uh, LinkedIn connection request, they took any sort of engagement level, we are going to add them to a nurture campaign, which will kick off uh, about a month later. Um, and that's that's pretty much it. Awesome. Again, if you haven't grabbed a screenshot and you want to, here it is. Let's jump into Q&A though. Um, there's a lot of questions. If you want to see, if one of the questions is already in there that you want to see answered, you can vote a thumbs up and it will like push it towards the top of our queue. Um, or if you have additional questions to answer, you can go ahead and stick those in there right now. It's the Q&A at the bottom toolbar. Um, but let's go ahead and get started. I'd like to ask a question if it's possible to Jen. Yes. Yeah, go for it. What are you, where are your team seeing the most success from? Email for sure. We see the most success from email and a good amount on LinkedIn too, just because probably similar to you, most of our prospects are on LinkedIn. Um, phone is where we struggle with the most, but about 50% of our meetings come from email. Charlotte, same question. Great one. And like saw a huge dip in email, seeing an increase in email more recently, but um, for our team, the phone, the phone is huge um, for our team and LinkedIn as well. A little tip, if someone is active on LinkedIn, we actually have a cadence, separate cadence for people who have connected with them, on, with us on LinkedIn. And it's just prompting us to view their profile, maybe interact with stuff, maybe send them a, a voicemail, voicemail, voice note, et cetera. But yeah, probably fine. Yeah, and it's interesting. Um, I'm seeing like some comments in the in the chat here too. I think it really depends on like your market, your persona, who you sell to, but both of you sell to similar personas and have different results. So again, like another interesting data point, right? Very My cool. mouth sucks. <laughs> great question it's, it's a it's a it's a great point because like 100 copy the cadences and sequences you're seeing but just make sure you're like monitoring which channels are getting you're getting success from one of my favorite stories is we had an sdr matia you probably heard of her who worked at sales loss she runs sdrs of germany and her data showed that she got literally no meetings from the phone so completely changed her cadence and didn't add phone steps into her cadences, spent more time on LinkedIn and email, and she was able to hit her targets so much quicker just from looking at the analytics. So don't just keep following a cadence that someone's posted online if it's not working for your persona or industry, just make sure you're switching it up. 
Okay, we got time for one question. If you if your questions are in here, you can um, we'll send you LinkedIn's for all of us, and you can message us on the side to get your question answered as well. But Harshad asks, what would be a good example of personalization if you can't find any information on their company or their LinkedIn? What what do you do? Do you take them off your cadence? Do you move them into a different tier? What do you guys do? I rarely kind of use. LinkedIn as personalization, to be honest, uh, mainly get, and I think that's like that first layer of information. LinkedIn's really easy to gain information from. Um, there is 10Ks, as Jed mentioned. You can go on their company page if it's a smaller account and they should have an investors or news for their company as well. There's so many things like if they've created a new product or they've got a new integration or they've got a new senior leadership hire. All of this will be in the news on their website, but also just like Google the company name and go to news in Google. I think that's the thing that I'm using the most is their website, understanding who they sell to, what they sell, as well as understanding like the deals, uh, sorry, understanding like the um, investors information for it as well. Yeah. One, one more thing to add on that too is you can also like if there's no information on their LinkedIn profile, I might personalize around like what technology they're using since that's important for us um and there's tools like built with for example where you can put it in a company's domain and figure out what technology they're using um and kind of craft your messaging around that so that's one other thing but yeah i mean a lot of the information is on the website yeah just added one in the chat the uh website you use for getting like tech stack is called built with it's quite good yeah perfect beautiful and i if there's not anything that you can't find, that the, if there's nothing that's recent at all, then it's maybe impossible. they... Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible. Right. There's always something. Even if it's just know. they sell or what they sell, or there's always something. Or maybe it's, it's not a, a good uh, good time right now. Maybe we move them to a different... Maybe we put them in the drip campaign and don't spend a ton of time there. Um, this... Thank you so much for sharing both of your experiences and what you're doing and so that we could peek into your sequences and your cadences. And uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I'm going to share links to both of your LinkedIn here in the chat for anyone who wants to connect with you. I know there's a handful of questions we didn't quite get to. So if you still have questions, um, I know both of you are so gracious and lovely about answering things. Um, so if you pop up in any of the inboxes. Jed also has a newsletter, so we'll pop the link over there as well so that you can check out his newsletter. Again, we do this every day here, content for salespeople. I'm back hosting again tomorrow. Um, tomorrow's session is going to be about objections that you get on email and how to turn it into more meetings. Thank you so much for joining us, and um, we'll see you tomorrow. Take care, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.